Hey, Kansas City. Welcome to Episode 7 of the Made in Casey podcast. We are now in Day 7 of the 30-Day Shelter-in-Place Order. I'm Tyler Enders. I'm Keith Bradley. I'm Thomas McIntyre. Today, we're going to do our best to answer some of our listener questions about finances, staying connected, staying safe, and how we can each do our part right now. Well, welcome, guys. Good to be talking to you again as we start our first full week in lockdown. Is today feeling like a Monday? Been very, uh, it's been very Monday-like, actually. So back to our question, did Saturday feel like a Saturday? Did Monday feel like a Monday? It actually does. There's been that usual Monday flow of emails and conversations and, and things that seem to take up the majority of the day of Monday. So for me, besides working from our home, it's feeling very Monday-like actually, which uh, I'm kind of accepting of the, the normalcy of it. Uh, how about you, Keith? Yeah, I was going to say something similar. It does feel like a Monday. The The biggest change for us is that my wife started going back to work today as a result of the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, she's been stay-at-home mom for the last five years. And so because of situations that made in KC and situations our family, she's have, having to go back to work. And so that's the most Monday thing of all. And are your kids surviving? They are surviving. I'm I'm not. They are surviving. You guys are a welcome break in the day. Uh, for the uh, people that are listening that don't know us closely, uh, I think it's always good little note that Keith's wife is also my sister, which makes Keith my brother-in-law. What? She is? <laughs> yeah. That, that reaction right there was the reaction our uh, delivery and all things – employee Ethan gave a day when he found out that Keith and I were related uh, <laughs> after working for us for about 18 months. So it was pretty funny. But yeah, so I, th- I decided to get that out now before uh, people are shocked later on to find out. Let's do a whole other round of questions for us. I love it. <laughs> so let's go ahead and dive in. We got a lot of great questions over the weekend and over the last few days from people on all sorts of different platforms. And a lot of them are kind of our take or our advice or our opinion on things. So I'm sure we'll have no problem sharing our thoughts. They kind of coalesced around a few different categories. One was, what should I be doing right now to make money? Or do you have advice on ways that I can make money? These questions were often coming from entrepreneurs or from small business owners or from people who are unemployed. Then the second category was, how can I stay connected right now while I'm sheltered at home by myself? And then the third was more generally thoughts on what people should be doing to stay safe and how people can be helping the greater fight against coronavirus. Let's go ahead and start with the personal finance side of this. Each of us has been experiencing this in a somewhat similar and somewhat different way. All of our income streams have dried up as we've closed the shops. And do you guys want to just broadly, generally talk through what advice you've been giving others, what advice you've been giving yourself or trying to follow yourself about how to handle personal finances during this time? Yeah, so great to hear that we have questions because that means we have listeners, which is super encouraging for us. Um... We did a couple things really quickly once we made the decision to close our Made in KC stores. Uh, so on the personal financial side, the the first thing we did, honestly, was we reached out to family and friends who we knew were less affected by this situation than we were and honestly asked for help. And the goal of that was to create as long a runway as possible for our family to go without receiving income from Made in KC. So that one, we could not worry about our personal financial situation and focus on the business and focus on our employees and paying them over ourselves. And then the second thing we did was we immediately had my wife try to jump back into the 
the workforce. She previously worked in much needed area of healthcare, and so she reached out to her old contacts on St. Patrick's Day, and within a couple of days had um, was fielding job offers, which was which was very encouraging and really a good problem to have during this time. And then the third thing we did was we we kind of made our bare bones budget of how many months can we go without. Um, based on what we have in savings, how many months can we go without bringing in any money um, if that were the case and figured out what that number was and kind of worked backwards from that in terms of what our needs would be over the next couple of months. Yeah, we did something similar and uh, I had to do a, a bit of a pride check, to be honest with you, in terms of being a provider and, and, and making, and making income, uh, and just having to do what you said, Keith, uh, reach out and ask for help. Uh, not that we needed it immediately, but knowing that it might come and, uh, peace of mind for, for Jess and for myself, uh, Jess is a nurse and she has been for, um, a long time and she's been in the same position, uh, for her entire career at St. Luke's. And so she's, she's got a lot of job security there, uh, and is very good at what she does and has the ability to go full time at any given time if we needed. When we had Tucker, she went to part-time, uh, which is two shifts a week. And currently she's on maternity leave and gets paid as that part-time nurse. And so that's, honestly huge for us, uh, but it's not quite enough for um, our ongoing expenses. And so I reached out for help, uh, or at least the knowledge that there is help out there. And then once once I kind of got some of those conversations out of the way, I looked at our personal finances. And <laughs> uh, it's kind of like a, uh, a plumber always has leaking pipes. Uh, I do a lot of the budgeting and accounting for our family, and it's been a, a real good time for me to come through some of our finances and be like amazed at some of the savings that we could be accomplishing if we really wanted to. So it's been a good reset in that standpoint. I've been, I've been turning off a lot more lights. I've been canceling subscriptions. We don't need things that we should always do that I take for granted because we're able to get by otherwise. And so that's been the process so far and it's, it's ongoing at this point. That's surprising a little bit for me to hear that you had um, some subscriptions that you could find that still need to be turned <laughs> off because I feel as though the three of us kind of operate in this mindset of constantly reassessing all of those little things. And, and sometimes I trick myself into thinking, no, I mean, I look at this all the time. I look at my bank account regularly. I've turned everything off. And then, yeah, you really dig deep. And there are usually some things that as time progresses, you could probably tighten the belt a little bit further. Yeah, and some of them weren't things that I wasn't aware of necessarily. I won't say that I was that not in tune with our finances, but things that are luxuries that can be turned off in terms of different subscriptions or just and I could share a login or, or things like that that we could be much more lean on in terms of cash outflowing. I was going to say, I think it's probably one of the best pieces of advice we can give someone right away is first to analyze those expenses and then minimize those expenses as much as possible. Some of those initial things that are easy to do, they don't require you to go out anywhere, they don't require you to spend any money, um, can make you feel a little bit at ease in those initial moments of panic. One of the things that we have been doing as as a just a New Year's resolution was to reduce our energy expenses across our household. And so I told Thomas this a while ago, I don't think I ever told you, Tyler, but in February, we got our electric bill down to $44 Whoa. for a household of six 1,700 square foot house. And we were pleasantly surprised by how much we were able to save by uh, minimizing that expense, which typically averages about 100, 120 a month. 
Yeah, that's incredible. That's remarkable. Well done. Yeah, during that process, Keith was at our house at one point and noticed that our garden lights on our deck were on in the middle of the day. He was <laughs> quick, quick to point it out. And <laughs> he was, he's been in electricity save mode and, uh, we kind of are now too. So it's, uh, it's been, been good for those kinds of things. That's great. Well, <laughs> on the business side, what we did is as soon as we realized the severity of this, which was pretty early on, we kind of made a, a lot of different triage type decisions. And so we had a first tranche of decisions that we made immediately that were some belt tightening, but then we immediately started to budget for a multi-month closure or temporary shutdown on a personal level is there any value to measuring in weeks versus months are you guys measuring it out in any certain duration or is this more this is the right holding pattern for my family and so this is what we're sticking to i'll tell you what my exact process was actually so i made a super simple excel spreadsheet that had that day's date uh, whatever a week ago or more and our dollar amount to our name. And so we being small business owners and investing in what we're doing, there there wasn't much of a safety net there to be transparent. And so Jess is continuing to get paid for her part-time work. And so then I just dragged down that date and did every single day and looked at our bank account and did what comes out on that date. And then if, when Jess's checks come in, and then did a X amount of dollars per week for groceries and turned off all other unnecessary spending and then just dragged that all the way down to that dollar amounts at zero and looked at, okay, what can I do now that I see this in one spreadsheet to make that zero down as far as possible? So the biggest thing was we own a home and so our mortgage. And so we reached out and looked at what options were to shrink that amount or freeze that amount. Our mortgage is with Flagstar, but they're offering a three-month abatement. And so essentially, there's going to be no mortgage being pulled out for three months. That obviously gets tacked onto the end. It will affect our interest payments and things like that. But you know, cash is king right now, so doing what we can to, to protect that. So then whenever I could turn the dial a little bit, I adjusted my spreadsheet and saw how far down that zero could go. It's still not that far out there, but it's further than it was when we started this. And again, continually processing what we can do to, to keep moving. So a lot of the questions that people were asking were about finding other ways of providing income. And what are your guys' thought process on, should someone be focused on short-term income? Should they be focused on income for the next three months? Should they be looking at long-term decisions? What would your advice be to a maker or an artist who works with us about how they should be supplementing their income if they aren't receiving the same amount that they're used to? Yeah, I think one of the things that would be option or opportunity to consider is to look at what places are still actively hiring so that you don't necessarily have to reinvent the wheel on what you're doing or try to force sales that might not be there during this time. But we sent a, a resource list out to our team of employees about here are, the, here are the local companies, here are the regional companies in the area that are still hiring, the grocery stores, the, the delivery companies. And so my advice in that realm would be try something along those lines first. If you're safe, if you're healthy, if you feel okay about getting out rather than trying to maybe force something that might not be there right now during this time. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. I think that my philosophy is very similar. I would encourage most people, I think, to try to do those things that you guys both did that I did as well and have the conversations where you reach out, ask for help. And it might not be a, here's what I need right now. It might be a, hey, here's what I'm trying to do. Here's what I'm hoping is going to happen over the next several months. However, if something were to happen, if something were to fall through, could I rely on you for this? Or would you be there to support me in this way? 
And I'm very hopeful still, now that this stimulus has passed, that people will start to see funds sooner rather than later. So what I would like to caution people against is, as you said, trying to force something that doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, I'd hate to see someone try to reinvent what they already do or invest in some a, a pivot that might not make sense right now. Instead, I would encourage people to try to understand, okay, how can I tighten my belt? How can I save my resources? If they're receiving unemployment and if they're going to get an additional $600 per week or $2,400 per month, um, how long can that last them and is that sufficient? I would hope that with a decent amount of belt tightening that most people in the Midwest could find that as survivable and then they can continue to think long term about what they do, whether that's their career, whether that's their uh, small business. And so I, I hope that we don't have a lot of people reacting in this reactionary way that ends up having a long-term negative effect on their business. Yeah, Tyler, I think that with Made in KC, I think the way we're looking at Made in KC and some of the personal stuff is not all that different in that our goal is to, uh, if you're in a spot that we were happy with, which we were in a position where we were growing and things were trending the way we wanted to, both as a family and as a business, my goal is to pick up where we left off when all this started. And so making sure that we're able to do that as quickly as possible has been kind of my underlying goal. And so things that I don't want to be a big mess when the business is back up and running are things that I'm focusing on. So I'm trying to make some payments on the minimum credit card payments, trying to make everything go as well as possible. So we're here for our employees, for our makers, for our families when we're back to green light. And it's going to be a bit of a transition even when that green light comes on. And so thinking about that as well, that it's not going to be 100% on whatever date. It's going to be 10%, 15%, 20%. And so thinking about that. But yeah, that's been my mentality is what is the best thing we can do to make sure we're back where we are for everybody and our employee's sake and our maker's sake when things are back up and running. And I think also to your point, Tyler, based on what we talked about yesterday about how in this kind of sudden shift of what's been deemed essential and non-essential – it would be tough to make a pivot within your business at this point to to figure out what the next sort of trend is going to be, especially when yeah when things are changing constantly day by day, and so doing the things that are directly in front of you, the minimizing expenses, the staying in contact with your lenders, and looking for those job opportunities that are right there, uh, might be the best the best opportunity for most people trying to bridge that gap. Yeah, what I like about a lot of the jobs that we sent out to our list of employees is that most of them you could get trained and started pretty quickly. And so it's not a career pivot or change. It's a short-term measure that's going to ensure that you continue to have income to supplement you through this time so that you can pick right back up where you left off. So the other group of questions that we received um, on a more lighthearted note was uh, just about how to stay connected during this time. We've talked a lot about how we're out walking a lot and neighborhoods seem to be a lot more conversational. And I still see people stopping on the sidewalk, running into someone that they ordinarily would be driving by. And so typically you don't have the opportunity to, you know, stop two cars in the middle of the road and have a long conversation. But now people are stopping and having conversations that they wouldn't have had, I think, a month ago. So that's really fun to see. But in addition to those types of circumstantial conversations, and in addition to simply encouraging people to FaceTime, do you guys have any ideas or advice for people who might be living alone or who are looking for other ways to interact with people? So I witnessed something for the first time yesterday that I figured was happening. Uh, I was driving to the grocery store and there was a series of four houses on the street that had put their couches in their front yards. 
and they were all having conversations. And I actually turned earlier than I should have because I didn't want to interrupt with my car driving down the street. And so I think that is that's a safe way to hang out and communicate like that's a good distance you know them they're your neighbors they're there if you need anything so I do think neighbors are a really good way I realize some people are in apartment buildings and things like that but there's ways to get creative and interact with humans in a really safe way right now that's different and so I think neighbors are a great way to lean on and interact I saw something very similar in my neighborhood my neighborhood often has what they call yard parties and you simply grab a lawn chair and you go sit in someone's yard, you grab a drink, maybe something to eat. And as people get off of work, more and more people start to flock to these yard parties and they often scale in number quite quickly. Do you think that if you are in an apartment building or if you're in your neighborhood and you are yearning for that personal connection, uh, would you just pick up a chair and grab a drink and go sit outside? Do you need one other person to join you or do you just go for it? I think you just go for it. I, uh, <laughs> I've always, I think I've told Tyler this a lot because we bounce business ideas and, and Barquet is just such a cool thing happening in Kansas City. And I've always said it's like the most amazing place for someone to take a date or a new friend because there's this thing happening around you that's automatic conversation of dogs running around and you can talk about the dogs, watch the dogs. And it's this, uh, yeah, easy conversation starter. And we're all have a very easy conversation starter going on right now about how's your life different? What grocery store are you going to? What's, you know, what's your job life look like? And so, yeah, I'd say set up a lawn chair. Most of our neighbors are over the age of 70 uh, and we've <laughs> been very easily having conversations with all of them. And it's been great. It's been a different form of interaction than we're used to. And I've been enjoying it. Yeah. Another thing I would uh, encourage or recommend, I mentioned this a couple of days ago, is just being intentional about actually scheduling calls, even if it is with close friends or best friends or people that you talk to frequently and casually, making a point of Sunday, 930, let's get on the phone and talk. Let's do it again Thursday. It gives you something to look forward to. Uh, it gives you some structure around days that maybe feel less structured. And I think there's some a little bit of accountability there. Like, hey, I need you. You need me. Let's let's schedule this time to to talk about whatever. But there's something about getting on a calendar, getting it scheduled that I think helps for me at least fight a little bit of the, the loneliness and, and isolation. I think if anyone needs extra pressure right now, we can go ahead and provide it and say that you should go ahead and schedule five phone calls or FaceTimes in the next week. And then you can just tell people, yeah, the podcast I listened to challenged me to post on Instagram or to reach out to five people and say, hey, I'm looking to schedule five calls this week at 5 p.m., uh, it doesn't have to be more than 15 minutes. If I haven't talked to you in a while and you'd be interested in hopping on the phone, let me know. You know, something as simple as that, I think that sometimes d people do need some sort of push or encouragement. And as you said, I think structuring it makes a lot of sense or going through some sort of mental list in your mind to figure out how you can structure it so that there's less decision making. Yeah, I had a couple examples of lists. I mean, there's the obvious ones of siblings. Uh, just write your siblings' names down and call them. If you already talk to them on a regular basis or you don't have siblings, there's a lot of groups like that that are predefined that is just a good way to start. Instead of having to have the decision friction of who should I call, list of your groomsmen, your bridesmaids or uh, roommates in college or the guy you sat next to in eighth grade. Just like write some names down, make a list and go after it versus sitting there not knowing who to call or why to call them. Have you guys had any funny um, 
interactions that turned into a lengthier conversation that you feel like wouldn't have happened pre-COVID-19? The reason I ask, I've had many. And so <laughs> one, oh, one was, was a uh, leading question for yourself. <laughs> it was absolutely a leading question for myself. Well, I, Do you mean, you mean to ask it back? I thought there was some sort of, you know, shared experience that everyone was having this, but maybe it's just me. <laughs> so my, um, so my mail carrier, he came by the other day and I had some mail that I needed to return because it had been delivered to the wrong address. And this is something that is somewhat common. And or it's it's certainly not uncommon, and that turned into a very very long conversation, and I couldn't tell if he was starved for conversation or if I was starved for conversation, and I just have <laughs> to imagine that the mail carriers, the grocery store employees, that they're getting talked to more often than normal. Then on Instagram, um, I just commented on someone's video that they posted of him playing some jazz piano, and it turned into a super long text back and forth. And this is a guy who lives in Austin, Texas. We have I think one shared connection. Uh, but otherwise, there's no reason for us to embark on this long conversation. And I did find out that he said he had, you know, was having a glass of whiskey, was kind of just bored, and was longing for that uh, communication. That's pretty awesome. I definitely have been uh, smiling and asking how you're doing more often than not to our neighborhood mailman and uh, any other delivery drivers who come by. We did have an interaction um, over the weekend with our neighbor across the street. We've lived in this house for about two years and are slowly getting to know more and more people. Um, anyway, we were talking to her about what her, her day looked like and what she was doing and working from home. And she mentioned something that we did not know. We know her pre pretty well, but we didn't know this side of her life. She said, well, later this afternoon, I have a Zoom call to teach figure skating. I'm a figure skating instructor, and we normally have class on Saturday afternoon. And so now we're going to do figure skating lessons over Zoom. Whoa. And which immediately all the lights went off, like you needed to teach all of our kids how to figure skate now that <laughs> now that we know this about you. But that was a pretty fun interaction that brought about by her having to pivot her plans uh, to keep her life normal as well. That makes me think I saw a couple go by our house on rollerblades the other day. And I was like, that was definitely a result of them being desperate of something to do. And they found <laughs> their rollerblades and are going for it, which I love. But one thing, and I do want to, I don't want to, the loneliness and reaching out to talk to people is not going to be easy for a lot of people. I think it's, it comes easy for us and we have neighbors and we're happy to talk to them and throw a chair down. And I don't want to suggest that we think it's just easy to do for everybody. Um, but I do want to stress the importance of, of doing it. I think, uh, even if you don't think that phone call is going to have an impact on you, it might have an impact on somebody else. Or if saying hi to your neighbor isn't going to be easy for you and you don't really want to do it, it might be something they need. And so I just want to stress to everybody that it is a very, very serious time for a lot of people that are going through a lot of things. And if that is you and it's hard for you to reach out, just try with all your might to do it. And then uh, if it is easy for you, do it to everybody um, just because it's, it's really needed right now. I think an easy way for some people to have a large impact too, and to make it to reduce the barrier for others to participate might be some of those group type settings. And so corralling a group of people. And so whether that was a, a Frisbee group that you used to hang out with or you know, a group of coworkers, even finding a reason to create a group and say, Hey, I'm contacting all 10 of you. And so you might be able to reach three people that you ordinarily wouldn't have picked up the phone for a one-on-one -on -one conversation. And that zoom call or that group chat 
might be that only interpersonal connection that one of those people had that day. So I think there are some ways that those who are a little bit more gregarious could step up to the plate and have a big impact on some people. Agreed. Yeah, like the the virtual happy hour, virtual water cooler conversation, um, whatever that looks like now, uh, keeping that up, I think goes a long way. Well, I just received a text from Chad at Sandlot Goods. Two great pieces of news. One, St. Luke's Hospital just brought by some medical-grade fabric for us for making more masks, and one of the local fire departments just requested 1,800 masks. So that... Wow. That pulls us nicely into our next topic, which was ways that people can be helping right now and ways that people can be staying safe. The project that we're working on, which I'll happily talk about again, is that we're trying to produce masks locally. We have a team of people signed up to sew from home. We had to shut off the volunteers because we were at over 350. We're going to try to turn that back on as soon as we're able to manage communication with everyone. And so we're trying to get people sewing from home. And I I call them volunteers, but we are paying people as well because we realize that a lot of people are out of work and that they should be paid for their time. But we are seeking donations still also because it is an expensive endeavor. And Chad and Santa Like Goods have put a lot of money into this. And there will be no profit made or kept from this project. He's trying to produce them at a cost of $1.50, which is about three times less than anything else I've seen locally. And we're working really hard to do 10000 a week. We have thousands of requests from local hospitals and first responders. So that would be an awesome way for people to help, whether it's sharing donating, or sewing from home. Then I also want to give a plug for how everyone can help right now. Interpersonally, it's reaching out as we discussed, but then in terms of the virus itself, um, I heard some scary news today from a couple different sources about how asymptomatic people are most likely passing and spreading coronavirus at a much higher rate than originally thought. And so I think it's extremely important to remember that if you can limit the number of times you're out and about, if you can limit the number of times you're going to get your groceries, that that should really help us um, flatten the curve. And just as a reminder, because that's getting thrown around so much, I want to remind people that the reason we're trying to flatten the curve is just to keep our hospitals in a place where they can adequately respond to sickness as it arises. And so if we have a huge surge and hospitals are overrun, people won't get the adequate care they need. It doesn't mean that people won't eventually get sick, and it doesn't mean that we're trying to flatten the curve long enough until a... um, It doesn't mean that we're trying to flatten the curve long enough until a vaccine comes online, because that likely will take many, many months, if not an entire year. But we can save hundreds of thousands of lives by flattening the curve. So I would strongly encourage people, even if you're trying to support your local coffee shop, see if you can buy a five pound bag instead of going and getting one cup at a time or a smaller bag. Try to find smart ways you can limit your interaction. I think the uh, one example I gave of how I think, unfortunately, some people are looking at this is we're kind of approaching it or some people are approaching it like a like the tax code and how can we get around some of these rules uh, so I'm less impacted as an individual uh, I think you know the whole tax code discussion is a whole different debate whether we should be looking for roundabouts there or not but instead of looking at how we can minimize the impact to ourselves instead look at how can we maximize the efforts of the CDC minimizing the spread. That's going to be the best long-term result for all of us, even if it causes a longer um, immediate shutdown. Uh, it's, it's the best long-term result. 
I hesitate to draw too many parallels between coronavirus and the 1918 flu pandemic, but I think that there are some that uh, we can learn from. And one of the things that has been really poignant for me is the difference in the way different cities recovered. And the cities that were more drastic with their social distancing did recover better. And so I do hope that Kansas Cityans realize the value of social distancing and that we can actually try really, really hard to respect the recommendations of the CDC and the ordinance put in place by local officials and realize that this isn't something that we're trying to work around. As you mentioned, Thomas, it's something that we're all trying to get behind and rally behind so that we can recover much, much faster. Any other ways that people could be helping right now? I think a couple of things uh, off the top of my head come to mind. One is that if you are less affected by this because of the industry you work in or savings or other personal financial situations, then seek those opportunities to donate um, particularly resources, whether it's food banks that are, are trying to keep, keep people fed at a lower cost. That would be one recommendation I would give. And then the other thing would be, as speaking of food, as you're able to go out and, and get groceries while try to minimize those trips that Tyler mentioned earlier, at the same time, not to not to hoard, take too much that you're keeping others from from having. And so finding that perfect balance of making sure you're you're keeping your social distance and getting what you and your family might need, while at the same time not preventing others from having what they need. I'm going to ask a question, actually, because I don't know the answer to this, but it's, it's popped in my mind numerous times, and I don't know if it's a good thought or there should be action taken. But if there are elderly family members or elderly neighbors or, or anyone that's in more in the category of being at risk of having severe impacts from coronavirus, are there things that a younger uh, individual like ourselves or anybody can be doing for them that's helpful? Or is that kind of going in the face of the asymptomatic issues in terms of it's being spread just as much through asymptomatic individuals as much as um, people showing symptoms? Yeah, I, I can't remember if Keith gave this example the other day or not, but the idea of going grocery shopping or running errands for a neighbor, I think that's a great idea. Uh, there's a video that had circulated talking about how you should unpack your groceries and, and realize that the box in itself might have the virus on it. And so I think that you have to be really cognizant of, although you might be asymptomatic, I think you have to be really cognizant of explaining to your neighbor the risk that's still involved or whomever you might be helping. But I do think that that would still be reducing the risk for that person. And so by you going into the grocery store and interacting with all those people, you're still probably reducing their risk profile significantly. Gotcha. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great point and a good, uh, good thing to consider. All right. Well, thank you guys very much. Enjoy the rest of your Monday. As a reminder, you can reach out to us on Twitter at madeinkc underscore, and you can email us at hello at madeinkc.co. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you guys tomorrow. See you guys. Thanks.